As we light the first candle, we recall the hope that Jesus brought into the world. Not a whimsical, wish-upon-a-star kind of hope, but a real hope that can always be found as we learn to trust in our God more and trust in ourselves less. Listen as I read the following verses. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Romans 15, verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this day for the hope that you give us in Jesus. As we celebrate his birth, may we be reminded that by Christ coming into this world, you have demonstrated that while others may give up on us, you never do and always remain our best source of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, time to dive into God's Word for today and to begin this wonderful season of Advent. We're going to be tying our sermon topics with the themes of the Advent candle. Uh, So we begin this week, we've already done the candle of hope, and we're going to be talking about hope, which seems very appropriate as we think about the season. And really, as we see reflected... um, in the event from the very first moments uh, that we or anyone became aware of what was about to transpire. As we read in scripture, uh, we think of the angel speaking there with Mary, informing her of what was about to happen. And we read in Luke, the first chapter in verses 30 through 33, these words, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no end. We think of what was said to Joseph uh, sharing this same kind of news as the angel uh, confronted him. He had this to say, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, from the the very outset, uh, something unique, obviously, something extraordinary was taking place. And though we're not given a lot of details about what happened in the immediate aftermath of this encounter with the angel, there's nothing in the text to suggest to us that there was any doubt, um, any... um, uncertainty about what was going to be transpiring. Now, there were a couple of questions that Mary had, pretty understandable given the circumstances. However, uh, there was just that absolute conviction uh, that what the angel said would come true. I've never seen an angel. Maybe that just goes hat in hand with an angelic encounter. But one of the things that we know is that there was a strong um, a strong belief, a strong uh, dedication to this truth, that what the angels had foretold would eventually come to pass. And so it's really in this this attitude and atmosphere of hope that we see the whole story begin. And it's the story that continues throughout the remainder of not only the birth of Jesus, but his entire life. 
As we think about hope, uh, what we're going to be talking about today is, is what I would call biblical hope. And I, I make that distinction because I think it's different than the kind of hope that we typically think of in conjunction with the world. When we use that word in, in everyday conversation, it really is more in, in the terms of, of wishful thinking. We hope that our team will win the World Series. We hope that our team will make it uh, to the Super Bowl. We hope that we'll get a grade uh, of an A on the test, or we hope this, or we, we hope that. Now, we might even think that that's probably going to happen, but we can't know for certain. And so there's always that underlying um, unknown part that goes along with that. But this isn't the kind of hope that the Bible speaks about. Uh, Nor is the kind of hope that the Bible speaks about just being optimistic. We hear often in our world today about the importance of positivity and thinking those those optimistic uh, thoughts of of constantly trying to look at the bright side of things. And and I think that's great. I I think it's great to look at the the glass as half full rather than half empty. But this isn't the essence of what biblical hope is all about. Biblical hope is rooted instead and grounded in the unchanging nature and the character of God. It's found in Jesus Christ who is our immovable rock. And it's the hope anchored not just in the promises of God, but in the very person of God. It's not shaped by uncertainty, but rather established in assurance. And the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 24 through 25, we read this. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Biblical hope uh, moves beyond, again, the, the, the ways of the world. Uh, what he's talking about here is, is uh, for uh, many people, they, they look for this sense of salvation, of, of being right before God based on the things that they do. But that's not what God's talking about here. Biblical hope doesn't wonder if something will happen. It wonders when it will happen. And trusts that God will bring it about at just the right time. Let me say that one more time in case you missed it. Uh, Biblical hope does not wonder if something will happen. It wonders when it will happen. And trusts that God will bring it about at just the right time. And that's the kind of hope that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, We're going to do that as we focus on our text for this morning, which also is found in the Gospel or the Book of Romans, the 15th chapter, verses 12 through 13. Let me invite you to grab your Bibles if you don't already have them in front of you. Um, Romans 15, 12 through 13. Keep your fingers there because we're going to be coming back to that throughout our time together. And in that 12th verse, we read these words of the Apostle Paul. Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations, and in him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's take that text, since it's uh, so filled with references to hope, and just sort of unpack it in our time here uh, today. It begins with that idea that in him the Gentiles will hope. 
You know, as Isaiah is, is giving this prophetic utterance uh, hundreds of years before, uh, he's speaking here about Jesus. And how do we know that? Well, he makes that reference of the root of Jesse. Now, Jesse was the father of David, and it's out of that lineage of David that ultimately we, we go back to Christ. And it doesn't matter whether you look at Mary's side or Joseph's side, they all go back to that original root, ending up with Jesus And so the first thing that's important to note about Christian hope is that it always looks to Jesus as its focal point. It's always drawing us back to Him. In addition to that, as the text just reminded us, we we see that this hope was not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles as well. In fact, from the very beginning, that was a part of, of God's plan. That was a part of God's intention. That salvation would be extended to both Jew and Gentile alike, uh, really to everyone. And while we can move past that very quickly, I hope we don't take that for granted because that's a pretty significant step. You see, as human beings, I I think we tend to be a people who are biased and exclusive by nature. Think about your own circle of of friends that you've got or the, uh, the world that you live in. Certainly, if we look at the bigger world, we look at the newspaper of what's happening It's very clear to us that despite having spent thousands of years trying to get along together, folks, we've got a long way to go. Our our base nature is to to separate ourselves out, to to put distinctions, to put barriers and, and obstacles there. But that wasn't God's plan. From the beginning, his, his hope was that he would be in relationship with all of us. Young and old, black, white, brown, rich, poor, male, female, African, uh, Australian, American, blue-collar, white-collar, no-collar, um, Jew, Gentile. doesn't matter. Scripture tells us that God loves the whole world. And so his desire was that we would be in relationship even from the outset. And so we see that in Jesus' birth, his ministry, his his death, his resurrection, all of these serve as a reminder to us that he came here for everyone, for those who would invite him into their hearts, who would come to know him as their Lord and Savior. And he did it really for for, uh, two different areas, for uh, the first one being for eternity. We think often about that. In the book of Proverbs, the 23rd chapter, verses 17 and 18, we read, Do not let your heart... Envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. There's a hope that lies in, in, the, in the distance. There's a hope that, that lies there for us after we exit this earthly existence. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm, I'm grateful for the peace that that provides for me, even now, to know what eternity holds. But, but that hope isn't just for eternity. Uh, that hope is for the present as well. Our hope is for, is for what we experience in the day-to-day of life because we know that God is with us even right now here in 2022. God is in our midst. Scripture tells us that. In Luke seven twenty-one, the words of Jesus, he said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And so we know that, that that hope is a hope that we have both today and will have throughout all of eternity. And the passage goes on. It talks about the fact that uh, may the God of hope... Now, the, the God of hope implies a couple of things about God. It implies, first of all, that his nature is hopeful. That's probably not surprising to those of us who are in relationship with him. In Psalm 39, 7, we read, But now, Lord, what do I look for? For my hope 
is in you. My hope is in you. Uh, kind of like the, the, the atheist who finds himself in the foxhole um, uh, crying out to God as the bombs and the bullets are falling here and there around him. There's just something about us that in the most desperate of circumstances calls us to look to God, that calls us to cry out to God. I think that's in part because we, we know that um, when we try to just look to the things of the world, we always end up wanting We know that if our hope is in ourselves or in others or in the world, that that's always going to fall short. And and so we look to him. We know that that he is a God of hope. Just instinctively, I think that we're aware of that. As as we think about how God has been at work in in the midst of that, um, we see that he's a a God who exudes that hope. He's a God that, that radiates that hope. He's a God that projects that hope. And so we're drawn to that, once again, uh, just intuitively. But he's not just one uh, who is kind of that essence, that that nature uh, of representing that, but, but we see that he's also the supplier of hope. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you what? To give you hope and a future. That's a part of God's intention. That's a part of who God is. That's a part of what God desires for us. He has plans to give us hope. And as the God of hope, He can pour out all of that hope into our lives In fact, he gives us all the hope that we will ever need. He's our foundation in times when our hope would otherwise wane or be wanting if, if we'll look to him as the source. The text for today goes on and says that fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Fill you with all joy and peace. Do you have any people that are part of your lives? I'm guessing you do. Who it just seems... um, Everything about them uh, re- reflects or, or conveys um, sort of a sense of discouragement and, and, and despondency. Uh, they may say, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that time when, when life is better. I'm looking forward to that time uh, when, when life is going to be good and the sun's going to shine and the clouds will part and everything will be wonderful. But everything about their life in the moment seems to reflect nothing but discouragement and, um, and just a very somber attitude toward things. They're filled with discouragement and despair and and disappointment. And that's easy to find if that's what they're looking for because we see a lot of that in our world today. If you know these folks, um, you probably uh, are a little gun-shy about even asking them how their day is going because you know they're going to tell you probably at great length and in great detail um, and it's not going to be enjoyable to hear. And it it saddens my heart, folks, that there are individuals out there whose lives are so burdened like that. But as Christians, that should not be our natural disposition. That shouldn't be our our position in life. Sure, we have struggles. Everybody's got struggles. God never said we wouldn't have struggles in, in this life. But instead of focusing on those things that cause despair and discouragement, we look forward to that sense of hope. We embrace that sense of hope. Because it's not only hope, again, that awaits us in eternity, but it's hope that we, we know, we experience, we have right in this everyday life of ours. 
In Romans 15, 13, it says, God of hope, fill us with all joy and peace. That's that sense of joy and peace that, uh, that we um, bask in, that we celebrate as followers of Jesus. And in Romans 12, 12, a little bit before that, it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Paul acknowledges here that there's going to be times when we have affliction. But even in the midst of that, we can be joyful in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Our text goes on uh, and says that you may overflow with hope. It's interesting that, that the Greek word for overflow here is a perishuo, which means to superabound. It means it's over, uh, overabundant with that sense of hope. It's in excess. It's, it exceeds what we can even think of. God wants our hope to be bubbling over, not only in our own lives, but as we encounter other individuals. It should be so evident in us and so abundant in our lives that it's almost contagious to the people around us. You know, we've come out of a time where we're we're paranoid about contagion, and I I understand that. But there can be some good things that are contagious, and one of those things would be that, that projection, that conveying of the hope that we have of God. That's what God calls us to you know, in the early church days, they reflected that in their, their day-to-day existence. And they did that by the greeting that they would extend to one another as they would pass in the marketplace or as they uh, were, were going on a trip to another uh, city. Uh, the thing that they would say would be Maranatha. Maranatha. You know what that means? It means the Lord is coming. Because for them, there was just this ongoing anticipation of excitement that, that someday God's going to come back and they could hardly wait for that. And imagine what your life would be like and my life would be like if we woke up in the morning with that same sense of expectation. Maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day that we can leave the problems and the yuck of this world and instead we'll be standing in the presence of God himself enjoying the splendor and the wonder of heaven. It's that sense of, 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 uh, of hope, of contentment, of joy, peace that ought to be present in our lives and then it wraps up this particular text for today with the words that all happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. We receive this hope. We live in this hope. We keep this hope alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by our own efforts, not by wishful thinking, not by having positive thoughts. We know that in our own strength, we just we can't do that. There's too much discouragement around us in the world today. But thank God we don't have to do it in our own power. We lean on His power. We look to His Spirit to help us. Uh, the, the word for power here is dunamis, from which we get dynamic or dynamite. And so we're not talking here about a little itty-bitty power. We're talking about a huge amount of power that God makes available to us, enormous power, uh, because of the hope that we have in Him. In Galatians 5, 4 and 5, we read, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So what he's saying here is if you're you're trying to to get closer to God or even get to God initially uh, through the the works of the law, through our own human efforts, um, we're going to end up falling away from God as a result of that. For it's through the Spirit that we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. It's the Spirit, it's as the Spirit comes into us that we, we enter into that relationship that, uh, that our heart yearns for, that we uh, so desire to experience uh, again in this life and in the life to come. 
We persevere through those tough times because of the biblical hope that we have, that confidence that exists within us in God's promises. As it's worded wonderfully in Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, whoever them might be. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you, and He will not leave you or forsake you. Folks, what wonderful peace and comfort and reassurance that is to know that God's always there with us. That no matter how challenging or difficult the circumstances of life, God's there to help us through that. I can't help but wonder if these people who have have either taken their own lives or or committed these, these horrible shootings recently, how life would not have been different for them if they had had that relationship with God to look to, to lean on, to draw from. And so we've got the explanation of what biblical hope is today. The the question is, will we embrace it? Will we make that a part of our lives to that point where, again, it's almost contagious to those that are around us? Will we lean to that hope that God has always granted His followers? That hope that uh, was wonderfully brought to mind in that that very first Christmas as we, we saw that babe lying in the manger, a little infant that one day would become the Savior of the world. That's the hope that we look to. That's the hope that we trust in. That's the hope uh, that we embrace. My hope is that you do this day and every day for our sake and for the the sake of the world. And let me wrap up with just one um, kind of illustration here. Back in World War II, there was an aircraft carrier that was uh, patrolling in the Atlantic, northern Atlantic, as they were out, they were looking uh, to try to find uh, some of the submarines from the, the Nazis, part of that infamous wolf pack that they had. And so they sent out six planes to, to scour at a pretty extended distance to see if they could find them. Unfortunately, as those planes were out looking for them, these submarines found this aircraft carrier. The aircraft carrier became aware of that, and in order to minimize the risk to the ship and to the men on that ship, uh, the captain reluctantly ordered blackout for the entire ship, which means there could be no lights shining, nothing visible uh, from the surface. Well, the time came as these pilots are out there that they have to turn around and, and return to the aircraft carrier. And so they, they radioed in and said, we can't see any lights to land. The radio operator said, I'm sorry, but the captain's ordered blackout. Uh, following that, another one of the pilots said, really, if you just give us a little bit of light, just something for us to zero in on, we can land. And the radio operator says, we can't do it. We're in blackout. And tragically, because of that, six... Um, patriotic, uh, courageous airmen lost their lives in the frigid North Atlantic that night. Folks, we live in a world that's filled with that kind of darkness, that's crying out for someone to give them a sense of direction, to help them to see the way that they need to go. We know where that light's at. We have that light living within us because we're a reflection of, uh, of the light that's out there, the light that we see in Jesus Christ. As we move into this Advent season, may we be conveyors of that light. May we be individuals who express and demonstrate that hope that the world is so desperately yearning for. Because it'll never be found in the things of the world. It'll only be found in a babe in a manger. The one that we know as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Messiah. Amen.